It's awesome. What a great update. I would, great update from the video and from Joe. And I would just add, you know, for those of us too old, too, he, told, he rebuked us, told us we're too old to go to that, you know. And honestly, if I was jumping up and down like that, that would not end well, right? Some of you are with me there. So uh, here's something else I've heard a lot, though. We planted two churches, which means two salt companies that came to that. Students who don't know, they don't know a thing about Keystone Church. But because of our investment in a lot of ways, they were at Salt, uh, Salt Conference. So, man, the residual of what we are doing in that movement is just an exciting thing. So, man, that's great. Thanks for those updates. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, go and turn there. There's a lot of you in here. I see packed in. Good seats at 8 o'clock. The preaching's better. They give out $5 bills. You should come, all right? A lot of open seats. There's not a lot of open seats here. So I would encourage you, 8 o'clock, 11 o'clock, more room, all right? But you're here now. So Hebrews 10, go ahead and turn there. You got this. That's what the writer's going to tell us. Hebrews 10, 19 to 39. You got this. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing right now. 19 to 39, all right? Here we go. Therefore, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Four, if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment. Do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know that, for we know the one who has said vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way, for you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised for yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed. But those who have faith and are saved, that's the word of God. I think what the writer's saying to it is this, you got this. <laughs> Last time somebody said that to you, you got this. And maybe you're like, I didn't have it. You need that said to you today, maybe. Maybe you're hearing, you're like, I need to hear that. You got this. Based on the authority of God's word, writer Hebrews here is saying, you got this. Verse 19 started with the word therefore. Did you see that? Therefore, we're going from content to confidence. 
You got this in Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with who we are. It has to do with who Jesus is. That's what the writer's been telling us. Jesus is better. And he's gone through the book so far saying Jesus is better. He's getting to the point now where he says, because of that, you got this. You got life. You can do it. You can live. And Jesus promises that. Um, Philippians 4, 9, we see these kind of, we, we see these kind of encouragements in the Bible all over. Philippians 4, 9, right over there says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. You got this because of Jesus. Uh, same writer, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Uh, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men. Do something with what you know. Have confidence with the content of what I've told you about Jesus. Commit it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hebrews uh, 10, back there to where we read, one writer frames it like this. The author so far has been concerned with the sacrifice of Christ and what that provides for us and now is the applicatory punch. Like that? Not punch you drink, like punch you get. It's the applicatory punch. In other words, he's going to apply all the content he's told us about, that Jesus is better, especially that he's better than the high priestly system of the Old Testament. Man, Jesus is better, never gonna, listen, access to God in him is never gonna age, never gonna be defunct, this writer says, never gonna deteriorate. We read there in the first couple verses, 19 through 23, He's, Jesus is not a servant in the house like Moses was, but he's the son. He's one placed over the entire house. That's the metaphor he uses going back to chapter three of Hebrews where the writer said the same kind of thing to us. So the writer says, therefore, based on Jesus is better than, especially Jesus is better than the high priest in that system, which was a symbol and a shadow of the substance of Jesus. Now that we have Jesus as the once for all sacrifice for our sins, man, we can live eternally, victoriously. It's good to know. Implications, there's four. There's four. We got a roll. There's four of them. I want to give them to you, all right? And listen, I'm pulling some of them right out of text because the, the writer makes these kind of short, clear statements. Anybody have that bumper sticker on your car that says, get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on? That's not exactly what the writer says, but it kind of is, all right? I wish I could make those four work. I can't. Hold on, I can make work. The other ones I can't. So get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. You got this. Here's the first thing. He, he says in verses 19 to 23, draw near and hold on. That's the first thing he says. Draw near and hold on. You're like, Fry, where'd you get that? Right out of the Bible. Draw near and hold on. We read that there in 19 through 23. The writer tells us, why can we draw near and, and hold on? Well, man, in, in verse 19, he says, we are the people who can go because there is boldness and confidence in Jesus. You see that in 19? Brothers and sisters, we have what? Boldness. Some translators say confidence. Draw near and hold on because we can have boldness. Man, he's talked about boldness in 3, 6, 4, 16, 10, 19, 10, 35. He's talked about because Jesus was the once for all better sacrifice for our sins, boldness now to approach God. You, you pray like that, Christian friend? Boldness to enter the presence of God because of Jesus. That's really good news. There's a connection, one writer says, between the entrance of Jesus into the heavenly sanctuary and our own. In other words, in the Old Testament, those symbols and shadows, the high priest had to go on behalf of everybody, and he had his own sin issues. Jesus, once for all, the Son of God, entered the heavenly places so that we can enter. Boldness. Confidence. We can 
Draw near and hold on. Draw near, which is our access because of his sacrifice. Glance down 22. It's interesting. He, he talks about two things. I'm not going to reread it, but he says, our hearts are cleansed and our bodies are baptized. The, bap the baptism of our bodies signifies the cleansing of our hearts. Remember, Jesus takes out a heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh. And man, because of that cleansing, in some ways, it's like our bodies have been baptized. Maybe there is an allusion there to baptism. Possibly that's what the writer's getting at. Certainly there's allusion to the Old Testament when the priest in Exodus 40, we see this before he went into that holy place, was washed clean. And the writer says, man, we can, we can draw near and we can hold on because our hearts are cleansed and our bodies are baptized. Our union, one writer says, our union with Christ in his death and resurrection is sealed I thought about it like this. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are changed. And we are changing. Both are true. My heart is cleansed. Jesus took out my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Writer of Hebrews has said. And man, because of that, it's like my body is washed clean. And now I take that cleansed life and the forgiveness of Jesus once for all. And I can live truly. Draw near to God. Hold on to the promises. Man, I want to live like that. Draw near our access because of his sacrifice and we can hold on because of his faithfulness. He talked about that there in verses 19 through 23. We can hold on. Christ was faithful. We have hope. Man, he talked about that in chapter three, verse six, verse 14, chapter six, verse 18. Let me read some of those. Christ, Christ, these aren't on the screen. Christ was faithful. We hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. For we have become participants in Christ. He's faithful. 6.18 says we've been given a strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. Draw near. Hold on to God because of Jesus. What kind of Savior do you have? Is that the kind of Savior you have? A Savior you can hold on to because you can draw near? Uh, this this statistic has been splashed all over social media in the last couple of weeks because of some work the CDC did. Look at this. Nearly three out of five high school girls in the U.S. who were surveyed reported feelings of persistent sadness or hopelessness in 2021, a roughly 60% increase of the past decade, new research from Center for Disease Control and Prevention found. How's that land? I have a daughter, I have granddaughters. Man, what kind of savior do you have? Do you have a savior for that? This is a quote from a book. I didn't come up with this. <laughs> I want this kind of savior. To be found in Christ means you don't have to prove yourself anymore. Your frantic attempts to find or craft an acceptable identity, girls, guys, your tireless work to manage your reputation in Jesus, it's over and done. You can rest. You got this. In Christ, you don't have to be intimidated by anyone, ever. Who are you? You're in Christ. That's who you are, if you know and follow Jesus. You no longer need to fear the judgment of God. When God looks at you, he sees you, but you're hidden in his son, Jesus. Girls, you're struggling with your identity. Guys, who am I? That's Jesus. This is freedom. This is confidence. This is holding on and drawing near. This is good, good news. 
You got that kind of savior? Mom and dad, is that the kind of savior you're teaching your kids about? A savior in whom they will find their true identity in a world that is increasingly losing its identity? To say to them, the freedom is there, it's in Jesus. Let me, let me tell you about that savior over, over and over. Man, I want that to be the theme of my life, right? What kind of savior you got? The writer of Hebrews says, I'll tell you what kind of savior you got. You got a savior you can draw near to and you can hold on to. I want to make my life about that. I don't know about you. Theoretically, I think we have a savior that we say is omnipotent, but practically he is impotent. Down with that. Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope, our hope in Jesus. It's an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. Draw near, hold on. Consider others and gather together. That's the second thing. We read that in 24 and 25. Where'd you get that, Fry? Right out of the Bible. The words are there. Uh, 24, 25. Let us, let us hold on. And then he says in 24, let us consider one another. 20, uh, 24, he says that. 25, don't neglect gathering together. So draw near, hold on. Consider others. Gather together. Several implications. In 24 and 25, he says, consider others. What does that look like? Well, we provoke, in order to provoke love and good works, which means I'm responsible. Part of my job, um, part of, in order to provoke love and good works means I'm responsible. Part of my job as a follower in Jesus, of Jesus is I'm a pastor, I get paid to do this, so it breaks down. Stay with me, because it's your job too, even though you don't get paid. Is to Enter into the lives of other people and provoke you to love and good works. And that's your job with me. You see things in my life, you say, that shouldn't be like that, Fry. I want to encourage you. I'm praying for you. Do it differently. Or, hey, great job, Fry. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. In your connection groups, in your homes, in this church, our job is we're responsible. We walk into church every day and it's like, I'm going to get my coffee and sit down. No, I'm going to get my coffee and go talk to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? I remember I was praying for you with this or uh, I saw you there. That's a problem. I, I want to help you with that sin. That we are, listen, brothers and sisters, we are to consider each other. That means I'm, res I'm responsible for you in some ways. Big job, you're responsible for me. Consider others. Notice second thing he says, not neglecting to gather together means I'm present. I'm responsible, I'm present. Uh, you ever hear this from people? I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. That's a problem. It's not in the Bible, number one. Uh, one writer says, when you abandon church gathering, it's a troubling precursor. <laughs> in other words, it's not a good harbinger. It's not a good sign of what's going on in your life. And listen, we let church, we let people down all the time, don't we? Like, I understand that. Christians let you down. I will, you hang out with me long enough, I will let you down. You're like, Fry, you're a pastor. I know, I will let you down. Ask my wife, ask my kids. I will let you down. That doesn't mean, well, I walk away from the church because it's a bunch of people like Fry and they let me down. It's not an option. Writer Hebrews says, listen, consider others and gather together. Uh, and you're saying, why are you preaching to us? We're here, I know. <laughs> Keep coming. <laughs> and if you know people who aren't coming, go back to number one there, be responsible, go after them. Say, you should have been in church today. Fry would have yelled at you and you'd want to come. I don't know, but be present. You're present in your connection group. You pull out a connection group. Ah, they're all kind of weird. It's not my kind of weird. 
Get back in. Get back in. Don't neglect gathering together. Be present, be responsible. Third thing is this. All the more as you see the day approaching, we should be motivated. I'm motivated. Uh, you know what's in view here when he says that? All the more as you see the day. What's the day? He's talked, writer Hebrews talked about the day a lot. The day is probably destruction of Jerusalem because right on the heels of the book of Hebrews is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And so when he says all the more, he's saying, hey, <laughs> the end's coming. The temple's gonna be destroyed. Get ready. But also in view is this, Jesus coming back someday. You know that? That should motivate us. Things aren't always gonna be like they are. And so we wake up every day saying, I'm one day closer to heaven. How can I make a difference? How can I gather together? How can I consider others and provoke them to good works? I'm motivated. One writer says this, you cannot make any sense out of, Christ, out of the Christian life without eternity. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but some days I live day to day like, oh, this week I'm doing this and God's gonna help me do this. All of it is in light of, you can't make sense of being a Christian without eternity. It's coming. It should motivate us. So the writer says, consider others, gather together, be responsible, be present, be motivated. Which one's most convicting for you? Number three, we're flying. Trust and obey. And you're like, Fry, did you get that out of the Bible too? No, it's a song but I think the implications of those words are here, okay? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Verses 26, go there, look there. Verse 26 through 31 is called a warning passage. So this could get uncomfortable. I, listen, I don't wanna use the Bible to beat you over the head. I want God to use his word to accomplish what it's, it should. But it's gonna, get, it's gonna get challenging here. What we're gonna say, what we're gonna say is, is part of a warning to us. And the warning is this, and because I, I want to put it in positive terms, trust and obey. In verses 26 through 31, the writer is saying this, I'm warning you. Evaluate your life if you call yourself a Christian. Are you trusting in Christ and are you obeying him? That's the litmus test of being a Christian. I have confessed my sins to Jesus, given him control of my life, and that means I live differently. That's what it means to be a Christian. Trust and obey. 26 through 31, he said that. He's developed these warning passages all throughout the book, and he does so here. I do want to read something. Uh, 29, look at 29. What does it look like to not trust and obey? He helps us. 29, look. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who, he has, who has, he has three who has statements. You see this in the text? He says, someone who has trampled on the Son of God, someone who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and one who has insulted the spirit of grace. And you're like, those sound like bad things. They are bad things. They're very bad things. You know what the evidence in, of in your life? The evidence in your life that you're rebelling against God, that you're not trusting and obeying, that the way you're living is not the way a Christian lives. When he says they have regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified. One writer says, it's like we come into, it's like a person who would come into communion, say, nice juice, and then walk away in sin as if this wasn't the most precious reality in the universe. Several things are in view here in this warning. Again, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem is one of the things that's in view. He's saying, listen, the end is coming and it's not gonna get better, it's gonna get worse. The judgment of God is coming and that temple in AD 70, you can look it up on Wikipedia, 8070, destroyed. The writer says, that's coming. So that's in view here. He's warning them. Listen, historically, 
Big trouble. Also in view is the Old Testament and the sin with the high hand in the Old Testament. Look at this. This is numbers. But the person, this is in the Old Testament under the law. The person who acts defiantly. You, some translations, maybe you have Bible that reads this. That's probably better, your Bible. The person who sins with a high hand, that's what some Bibles say. Person who sins with a high hand, person who acts defiantly, whether native or resident, alien, blasphemes the Lord. That person is to be cut off from his people. He will certainly be cut off because he has despised the Lord's word and broke his commandment and his guilt remains on him. Does that sound like that person's in trouble? They're in trouble. You know why? They don't trust, they don't obey. They have, maybe they have the outward expression, but in their heart is rebellion. And I love the way the one translation says, it's like sin with a high hand. They wake up every day, shake their fist at God and say, I'm doing it my way. Man, if that marks my life, there should, see, there should be some red lights on the dashboard going off. Sin with a high hand. That picture, that symbol is in view in this warning passage. And listen, what the writer's saying there, and he, he said this in chapter nine, verse seven is, Unintentional sin and deliberate sin, there was a sacrifice for that. Like in the Old Testament, there was a way to pay for it. If you, anybody sinned deliberately this week? All of you, me too. Anybody sinned unintentionally? All of us. There's a sacrifice for that. And in the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice for that. But one writer puts it like this. Listen, in the Old Testament, that is contrasted with sin with a high hand, a defiant and knowing rejection of God. A sin that is a betrayal of a trust a sin that despises God and holds him in contempt. For such sin, there was no sacrifice available in the Old Testament or New Testament. I told you, it's a little scary because it's a warning. And it's a warning we do well to heed. So the Old Testament is a picture of this. Another thing that's in view here briefly is the unpardonable sin. You ever heard of that? You're like, that sounds terrible. Unpardonable sin. Listen, we want to keep that in context. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus call, talks about the unpardonable sin. And, you know, if you're the kind of person, I've had this as a pastor, people come and say, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. If you say that, I'm pretty sure you haven't. People are like, whew, why do I say that? Because the un, I love how one writer puts it. The unpardonable sin, listen carefully, because we're not playing games here. The unpardonable sin is not a particular kind of sin. Rather, it is a particular extent and willfulness of sinning against God's grace. See the difference there? It's not like I did this act and now God's cut me off. More, it's like every day I wake up in my life, I sin with a high hand. I am a rebellious person. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, if I don't care what you call yourself. If you live like that and you don't trust God and put your faith in Jesus and then obey him, that's not what it means to be a Christian. And he says, I'm warning you, trust and obey. So I want that warning to land the way it should land. You see verse 31? By the way, there is no worship song based on this verse. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Nobody has a tattoo in Hebrew or Greek or anything. That's, that's quite a verse. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So... Here's the thing, sometimes when, we, sometimes when we read verses like this, we ask the question, well, can I lose my salvation? No. If God saved you, he saved you. God, let me give you that assurance. But in some ways, that's not, that's not the question we should be asking. The question we should be asking is this, do I trust and obey? But see how we are? We just, 
It's not about that. The author is saying, listen, I'm warning you, examine your life. Are you trusting God? Are you living a life out of that trust in him as the better sacrifice for your sin? Are you obeying? Are you obeying? I want to dwell on this because I want to be real careful with what I'm saying here. Maybe you're here and you're like, Fry, I got a lot of sin in my life. I know, I do too. That's real. Sin is real, right? We, in my connection group, probably in your connection groups, we have God-girl splits where what do we do? We confess sin to each other. We talk about the hardships we're having. We're praying for each other. That's real life. If you got that, listen, you're in Jesus. Keep confessing your sin. That's real. What the writer of Hebrews is talking about and what I'm talking about with the warning is rebellion. See the difference? Listen, sin is real. We're in this together. Let's join hands and fight sin. Let's do it. That's what life is about. We're not perfect. We run to Jesus, our perfect sacrifice. But here's what I'm saying to us, and here's where the warning is. Here's the rub of it. Friends, if there is a spirit of rebellion in your heart where day after day it's just no trust, no obedience, there's no mark of it, you're playing games with God. That's serious business. It is a, you read the verse? It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Uh, I, was talking to this, I was talking about this text with some guys this past week, and one of the guys said this, deconstruction is destruction. Here's what I know. We live in a world where deconstruction for faith is sort of this cerebral, healthy skepticism. You know, like, I'm so intelligent, I'm kind of questioning Christianity. I get that. I've had my questions, too, along the way. But here's what I'm telling you. If you deconstruct from the faith, if you disconnect yourself from trusting and obeying Jesus, it leads to destruction. I'm just telling you on the authority of God's word. Serious stuff. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. One more thing. I don't want to leave you here. One more thing. Uh, let me show you two verses that are really interesting in their contrast. Look at verse 26 again. Get your pen ready. For if we deliberately go on sinning, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is what? There, there is no longer, see that underline that, no longer. No longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Here's the warning. If you don't trust and obey God and you're playing games and you rebel, you're in your sin and there is no longer a sacrifice for that. But maybe you're hearing, you know what? You're like, hey, I'm in Christ and I need assurance. I got you. The writer of Hebrews does. Go back to verse 18. This is Pastor Brent's sermon from last week. Listen, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin if you're rebelling and that's a consistent trait of your life. The writer says, you're under judgment. But look at, Look at verse 18 of chapter 10. Now where there is forgiveness of sin, there is what? No longer. Same wording. There's no longer an offering for sin. You know why? Because your sins are forgiven in Jesus. So I hope you see the contrast there. For some of us, it's the warning of verse 26. Listen, if you're rebelling and playing games with God, get your heart right because there is judgment if you fall into the hands of a living God and you don't know him. But brothers and sisters, if you're here and your conscience is tender and sin is a real fight to you, I don't want to condemn you because Jesus doesn't condemn you. He says there's no longer a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus paid it all. So listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You knew that. May the Spirit of God take that warning and apply it where he needs to in your life, okay? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Fourth thing, this is it. Endure and have faith. Endure and have faith. Sprinkled all throughout verses 32 through 39 are these words. Endurance and faith. 
endurance, and faith. Endure and have faith. Let me just highlight some words that stand out to me under this. Verse 32, see what he says there? Remember. I love the word remember in the Bible. Many times when, many times when God wants to strengthen us through his word, it's through remembrance. I wonder, what's the little note in your Bible? What's the plaque hanging on your wall? What's something by your bedside? What's, what's a verse that you hold on to? You're like, man, when it gets tough, I go back to that. I remember. I remember what my mom told me. I remember what my grandmother said. There's a note in my Bible. It's in yellow. And I go back and I remember. Awesome. Writer Hebrews says, listen, endure and have faith. Remember. Remember where you came from. Remember what Jesus did for you. Let me call you back to that, brothers and sisters. I love verse 35. Look what he says in 35. So don't throw away your confidence. Like my confidence in Jesus wrinkle up like a piece of paper. Life's hard, I can't trust him. Don't do that. Have confidence, don't throw that away. Don't throw away your trust in Jesus. It's worth it. Verse 38, he says, live by faith. And next week, Pastor Brent's gonna show us how to live by faith. Believe me, it's big in 11, chapter 11. Live by faith. This is Romans 1, 17. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Here's another translation of that verse. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Endure and have faith. The Christian life is lived from one point of faith to the next. Man, when I came to Jesus, I put my faith in him. My faith was small. And over the years, I become a man. I got older. I lost my hair. All these things happened. My faith grew. But guess what isn't different from then to now? It was faith. It was faith then in Jesus. It's faith now in Jesus. And I've had to trust him increasingly along the way. Good things have happened to me. Bad things have happened to me. But I have to endure. And I have to have faith. I trust. I obey. Not perfectly. I'm a sinner. Look at me. But listen. I want to endure. I want to have faith. And that's what he's calling us to as well. You got this. Endure. Have faith. Here's what I want to tell you. This slide, all right? And you're like, oh, this looks good. I want to write it down. Relax. It's on the website. Hebrews resources, it's all there for your connection groups to talk about. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to apply this, so stay with me here, all right? Act on your assurance. That's what I want to tell you. Act on it. You have, if you know and follow Jesus truly, then act on that. What does that mean? Well, and drawing near and on, it means this, claim the promise. I don't mean that in a TV preacher way, like claim the promise and you get $1,000. That's ridiculous. I'm telling you, claim the promise that Jesus is the better sacrifice, the better high priest, the one who once for all died for our sins, forgave us, and will continue to forgive our sins if we confess to him. We can trust him. We can obey him. Claim that promise. He will get you through. Hold on. Take hold. Claim the promise. Consider others and gather together. What does that mean for us? Build a relationship. Some of you here, you're like, yeah, I came today. I don't come very much. I don't know what your reason is. Here's what I'm telling you. Build a relationship. Find somebody in church today and be like, hey, would you go to coffee with me? And they'll be like, that's weird. But maybe they'll go to coffee with you. Find somebody. If you're isolated, don't be isolated. Build a relationship. Jump into a connection group. Just show up at somebody's house. I don't, if you don't have a friend, come see me. I'll be your friend. <sighs> Build a relationship. Friends, Jesus says we have to consider each other and we have to gather together. It's not an option. 
That's acting in our assurance. Trust and obey. Heed the warning. Here's what I want to say about that. If you're rebelling, come to Jesus. Don't walk out of here thinking, well, it's too late for me. It's not. Today is the day of salvation. Writer Hebrews said that. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, come to him. Come to him and put your trust in him for the first time. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Take my sin. I want to give you my life. That simple prayer takes you into eternal life. Takes you into a relationship with Jesus. That, that easy, the sincerity of your heart. And then learn how to walk and obey him. Come to Jesus. That's the warning. Friend, if you're a Christian here and you're like, fry, rebellion, looks like it's reared its head in my life. Then come back to Jesus. Not too late for you. After this service, I will be up front. Let's pray. Let, let's talk about coming to Jesus. Or let's talk about coming back to Jesus. Let's start there. Trust and obey. Heed the warning. Endure and have faith. Live your calling. Here's what I know about Keystone Church for a lot of reasons, but especially because I'm an elder. Uh, we get prayer requests from you. Every now and then, elders send out a note to you and say, hey, how can we pray for you? And you send those back. We read them. You know that? Man, some, there's some hard things going on in this church. We gather on Tuesday mornings. We pray for you. I know what some of you are going through. It takes endurance. And you're like, you know what my calling is? My calling is raising these kids, and it's not easy, Fry. Fry, at my job, it's really difficult. You have no idea how my health is. That's my calling right now. It's hard. I know it's hard. The writer of Hebrews is saying, endure, have faith. If that's your calling, hold on, press in, draw near. I wonder what it is in your life. Friend, what of those four, how do they land in your life this morning? So the writer of Hebrews says this, act on your assurance. Come for the first time or come back. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for a savior, Jesus, who died once for all for our sin. God, we want to be a people who don't play games with that faith. And today, the challenge has been laid out to us. I pray for those here who need to come to you. God, you are the God who saves. That's the savior you are. And so to find all the identity we need is to be hidden in Jesus. And I pray if there's one who needs to come to you that today would be the day of salvation. And friend, if that's you in the quietness of your heart right now, you just tell God, God, I believe Jesus died on that cross for my sins. And by putting my faith in you, Jesus, I wanna turn my life over to you. You pray that simple prayer if you don't know and then get up here after service and tell me, hey, I asked Jesus into my life and we're gonna go from there. Lord God, I pray for someone who need to come back to you and maybe the warning passage woke him up or maybe it was, it's hard to endure in my calling. Whatever it is, God, I pray that they'd be able to come back to you and trust and obey. Endure and have faith. It's hard, God. Be our strength in Jesus, we pray. May we be a people who act on the assurance we have in a good Savior, a better Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. In his name we pray, amen.